Welcome to We Bought a Farm in Arkansas and Farmed It. Nice. Did you get my hiccup on mm-hmm. mic there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. This is the, because I, uh, I'm Drew. I'm Ernest. <laughs> oh, man. We're all going out of order. I am uh, relocated from, uh, from California to sunny Orlando, Florida, Hunter. So I was sober for all of February. Um, the pod suffered. Everyone unsubscribed. We yeah, lost like thousands of dollars. We lost so many Patreon. I'm like, but we gained the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And we now gained I'm, Will Patton. And now the, the, fan the, of the show, <laughs> the devil has taken me over once more. And uh, I'm like halfway done with beer number two. And I'd be fucking hiccuping. Mm. Mm-hmm. Delos, baby. Brought to you by Delos. Well, brought to you by me. Thank you. Yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was fishing for an on pod. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> mm. When you're driving home, make sure you got a Dello in the car and open it up. <laughs> open that bad boy up. Come on. Make sure you're listening to We Bought a Mic, sipping on a Dello. Like whenever you get pulled over by an officer, be like, shh, shh, wait, Hunter has a point. He he has a take that he's unleashing right now. Hold on. Shh, shh. Like as you're being arrested, just make sure that he's blasting yeah. that thing. Because then he'll ask, what was so important to you that you'd rather get arrested than than turn down that podcast that you're listening to? And you'll be like, well, Mr. Officer or Miss Officer, it's called We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast. Yes, yes. And today we are reviewing Minari, directed by Lee Isaac Chung uh, from A24 and now available on a premium video on demand. 20 bucks also in theaters mm-hmm. very limited mm-hmm. very um questionably safe depending on where you're at but still right there in the premium video on demand library um i actually had a chance to see it through a24's virtual screening thing that they have now that they might start doing for other movies i think this is the only one that they had it for uh and it essentially played out pretty similarly to how you did your Sundance thing, Hunter, mm-hmm. where you you bought a specific time, date right. and time to watch the movie. And you had a specific window during that um, to click play. Um, and it was both on both of your lists of uh, 2020. Wasn't on mine because I was waiting to see it until the masses were uh, able to You're see it. You're a man of the people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ernest I, famously waits until the, the masses have seen a movie before he considers it like that year's movie. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Something we know about. Especially if it came out in the year in which we are right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, in which it was released to the masses. Okay. So this is 2021 to you. Exactly. That sucks. So this is a 2020 release. <laughs> It did. I saw it in the year 2020. A lot of people saw it in the year 2020. It actually premiered in Sundance in January of 2020. Won the Audience Award, right? Yeah. yeah. 
and deservedly so. I love this movie. Love, 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 like overwhelmingly love this movie. Um, it's a very simple movie. You know, it's very like kind of subdued and straightforward. Um, not a lot going on in terms of like massive climactic stakes or uh, life changing, you know, character arcs. But it feels life changing. You know, mm-hmm. it's you, you once you once you're in it and once you feel what these characters are going through, there is this like intensity to it, even though it it doesn't play out in a way that a lot of kind of uh, more conventional movies might play out. Um, and I think that it's, it's a triumph, you know? And honestly, the biggest thing for me with this movie is the fact that um, it's a tale of immigrants. So it's in the eighties. It's about a, a Korean family that moves to Arkansas to start a farm. And the way it captures that feeling of being in a new place, Mm -hmm. um, of coming from a different country to America and not knowing your surroundings, not knowing the culture, not knowing the people, not knowing the language. That's something that really resonated with me because I'm an immigrant from Colombia. And a lot of the things that you see in this movie depicted with this family and a lot of the struggles that they go through parallel to what my family had to go through when we came to the, to the United States, we didn't try to start a farm, but the broad strokes of it really rank close to my own experiences. And I, I, I just think it, it's so beautiful the way it captures that. Mm-hmm. So perfect. There's tiny little details that I'll touch on later that it's just, it's so crazy that like, an Asian American and a Latin American experience can have so much overlap, mm-hmm. um, in, even in the tiniest little things. But I, I loved it so much. I, to me, it's pretty much perfect. I know there's like a couple of things that we can nitpick uh, here and there about how like the story plays out, especially um, when it kind of reaches its its sort of third act climax. But overall. I don't have any complaints. I'm I'm like over the moon in love with this movie. It's it's so so beautiful. The score, the yes. the cinematography, the acting, the writing, the directing. It's just like uh I I forgot what you said this Drew one time about a movie that was like give it everything. Yeah. It might have been The favorite. Portrait. Okay, it was The, the favorite. favorite. Yeah. Like literally like nominate it, give it every every category. That's how I feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like everything it excels at everything it's trying to do every level and again it's very simple it's Mm -hmm. very simple it's not trying to force itself on you it's not trying to make some sort of um you know grand statement or anything like that or 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 uh you know overexert itself in any way but it nails it 100 percent I uh, I agree with just about everything that you said. I mean, I absolutely love this movie. I think that it is just a true triumph whenever it comes to storytelling and performance and the technical aspects. I got to give a shout out to Emil Mos- Mosseri, um, who does the score for this movie. Um, this is 
hands down, in my opinion, the best score of the year. Like without a doubt, the so fucking good. It just gets like stuck in your head. This is the same guy who made probably my second favorite score of the last five seven years or so with the last black man san francisco a couple years ago um i really fucking love this guy i really love lee isaac chung and it's kind of funny how his story in some ways almost parallels a movie that's also a probable nominee for best picture judas and the black messiah with shaka king he was a guy who kind of was on his way out as a movie as a film maker uh he couldn't really get anything made and things that he was getting offered for didn't really speak to him he came up with this idea this idea was kind of like teetering on the edge of falling apart if you listen to any kind of interview with him he talks about like it wasn't until plan b signed on that they were like okay we actually got this and we got Steven Yun who approached them. and was just like, I have to be in your movie. <laughs> like, please put me in this. Um, and it all came together. I will say um, I watched this movie for a second time earlier today, and I am really glad that I did because we'll get into it when we get into spoilers. But there is one key moment in the third act that really did not work for me at all and i mean i still had this movie at like number six or seven on my top 10 list of the year but after watching this a second time i think that i'm being too hard and like hypercritical on this one thing because everything else about the movie is like pretty flawless to me like when everything else was a 10 out of 10 i don't want to be too negative on one aspect of the story because otherwise i think this is a beautiful film drew this was your number one i like it a lot man uh next question <laughs> it's yeah uh it's it's borderline perfect uh i don't want to criticize it more more than like i like couldn't like i could i don't want to it's it's a lovely film it's it's absolutely lovely um it's made painstakingly it's made with so much love and reverence uh and respect for its characters uh and it's it, i think it's a good call that it could pretty much be up for any award and i would support it like i don't i don't think there's a weak spot in this movie uh i don't it's it's hard to even know what to say about it when it's that good yeah you know uh but yeah this is even after watching a couple other movies from 2020 including nomadland this is still my number one of last year i i absolutely love it i I found it incredibly emotionally affecting in exactly the way that it wanted to be I'm curious, Ernest, where would you have this on your list? Because I'm going to do the same thing as I did with Nomadland, say on the pod, you are not allowed to put this on your 2021 movie list. You have to put it. This is your retcon. You can put it on your list now. Where would you put it? Well, it's it's number one on my 2021 right now. It um, is not a 2021 movie. But on 2020, I would probably put it either right below Sound of Metal or right above it. So like number two or number three. Okay. it's It's that good. It's, it's right behind a movie that came out in 2019. It came out in 2020. Portrait. <laughs> I we can't we can't drag this back up on Minari. Well, then Minari's is in 2021. <laughs> um, yeah, no this this movie is excellent. Stephen Yun is pretty much a lock, I think, to get Best Actor. He's been up for like all the major awards. He is getting nominated, except for the Golden Globes because Golden Globes are a fucking joke. Please see the last episode uh, for that. Um, but. 
I think that the entire cast is excellent. Like, of course, so we, we should say, though, the reason why of that Golden Globes bullshit is just because the movie is primarily in Korean. That's yes. literally the only reason but why. But it's it, not it, a foreign film. It is set in Arkansas. It's For all intents and purposes, it's an American movie. Like, it's made by American it's producers. It's about the American dream. Yeah. Like, that's... I don't know how... But it's because it's the story of immigrants from Korea. It's in Korean, so they fucking disqualified it. So stupid. Once again, see our last episode where I go on a fucking 25 minute long rant about the Golden Globes for all of that. Um, Lock yeah. the gates. <laughs> <laughs> we should play that whenever Hunter goes on a rant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yu Jung, who plays uh, the grandma, um, is like up there with the farewell for like just the best grandmother performance I've ever seen in a movie. Like, I want this woman to be mm-hmm. my grandmother. Can I please adopt a grandparent? And then um, as, as far as snotty little boys go, we're dealing with one of the best ones. Oh, dude, Alan My Kim God. is going to be a star. So on the screener, I know uh, you had the same thing, Drew. I don't know if you had it through your A24. Uh, the intro? Yeah. Yeah, intro, yeah, yeah. It's introduced by Alan Kim. And he is just the cutest little boy in the world. I want to give an Oscar just to him standing there with his striped shirt and his little cowboy boots. I'm like, you yeah. are the cutest fucking child alive. And you are really fucking good in this movie. And yeah, I mean, for the first half of the movie, despite how cute he is, you want to punt him across the fucking farm because he's being so goddamn annoying. He's and being then, so mean to the grandma. And then guess what? You, you want to smooch him on his little forehead. Mm. He's a little angel. Well, that's that's kind of the thing with all of the characters in this movie, isn't it? You know, there's there's complexity. They're all yeah, they're all frustrated. There's I mean, I think that Steven Yun, it's really like this really might be it's him and Riz Ahmed, I mean Chadwick as well, but like for just my favorite performances of the year, because Steven Yun is his performance is so understated because he is right on the line of being unforgivable. Like he is not a very likable guy as we'll get into ever get into spoilers, but like he does want to put his farm and his own personal dream over his family time and time again. And you still stay on his side because he's Steven Yun and he's still able to like kind of have that charisma with ever without ever fully crossing the line. It's an interesting character. I, I heard um, Chung in an interview with NPR talking about how, um, you know, this is based on his own life on mm-hmm. his own upbringing. He's, and, yeah. He's, he's baby boy and he's a little Alan. Yeah. And, and Yun is partially based on his father, but he talks about how, it isn't a one-to-one uh, representation of what his father was like when they were starting up this farm. What, that, what does he say is different? Well, was his dad shittier or better? I think he doesn't really talk that much about his dad. He talks more about the character in the movie. And I'm, what he what he says is that the character in the movie, the biggest the biggest difference is that Yoon's character. Um, I think his name is. Is it Jacob? Jacob. Jacob. Yeah. Um, He is extremely flawed and you're led to believe that what he's doing is heroic. Um, And as the movie goes on, it's very, very obvious that it's far from heroic. So breaking bad style. Yeah. I did it for me. Exactly. So there's this, there's this aspect of this character, like, basically yeah they you know the sort of these like selfish 
tinges it's, that aren't tied to like what his father was like. Yeah. Oh, so his dad wasn't like that. From from what I gathered from that NPR interview, it seems like that's the case. That's interesting. Yeah. I would have guessed that as a writer, you would want to take it the other way to make it more sympathetic. But it, I mean, it made it a more interesting character. So right. it was the right move. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically this is like a this is a character that I think should be explored more. It's like because this is a lot of uh, like heads of household of past generations that it's like. What if like a guy wanted to be Daniel Plainview, but he had a soul? Yes. Yeah. Like that's that's, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Like a, a guy, he wants to be able to set everything aside in order to succeed because he has that like inherent monkey brain urge to win. Mm-hmm. But he also loves his family mm-hmm. and he can't help it. <laughs> yeah. And, and what if what if Daniel Plainview wanted to abandon his child, abandon his boy? And then he was like, no, but my child. You can't, my boy. you can't do that. We're sticking around. You can't just get rid of us. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's something I want to see explored more because the, the dads of past generations and current generations, um, and obviously the moms too are just, mm. they have, they have some fascinating, uh, little, little qualities to them like that. So to that point, another, I think that like, also she has not been discussed at all as far as like awards nominations or anything like that go. But I think Yuri Han gives an incredible performance as Monica, uh, the wife, because she is somebody who just has to act solely in her face. And you can kind of tell like these little almost like passive aggressive moves that Jacob is constantly doing, like taking more money out of the drawer for a tractor or whatever else, or like carrying fruit into a hospital visit for their son, like that. It's just eating away at her. It's breaking her down slowly and you really sympathize with her. But again, like it's, it's kind of been interesting seeing um, a lot of uh, critics, specifically um, Korean and other Asian American critics, kind of talk about this movie and the way that these parental figures are so close to their own family. Like corporal punishment is a very big thing, uh, not even just in the Asian American community, even in the American community. I got hit with a stick as a child, um, but like just kind of that whole generation growing up. So like it's right. once again, it's a very delicate balance that, uh, that, uh, uh, Lee Isaac Chung is able to strike in this movie. It makes it work really well. And I think that a lot of that is a credit to, uh, Han's performance. Yeah. Like I said, this is a very sub subdued movie and her performance, I think might be the most subdued of all of them. Um, and it's really difficult during the more kind of emotional uh, scenes of, of heavy conflict that we get between her and Steven Yoon um, for us to like connect to to what's going on, to this conflict that's happening between this couple. And I think it's like really, really, really well done for you to have these scenes play out in a way that's not like overly loud and big and explosive Mm -hmm. and have it be so small and still feel like an intense amount of pain and get such a big response from such little tiny bits of texture in the fights and in the arguments and in this relationship that starts to become so strained 
because of the uh events that play out as the the farm you know struggles to get back up uh back and uh up and running um and again like it's a simple story there's not a lot big to spoil there is like some big third act stuff that we'll get to in spoilers but essentially that's all this this movie is is this family trying to start this life mm. and the the little stumbles that happen along the way the the sort of the big arc that gets thrown in there is the grandma right so they they have to call grandma to come help um because they they need the children to be overseen by somebody as they try to balance like the farm and also yeah. working at this uh chicken sexing uh plant mm-hmm. chick sexing uh factory no the chick sexing factory is my freaking house <laughs> um no uh, you, you want to let that one breathe a little bit more no i'm oh, trying okay. to think right. if, if i have anything else to say at no. all for this episode <laughs> do, you, do you throw do you Should throw the male stop? the male chicks in the in the uh in cinder God, really bad look for uh for male chickens on this, uh, this yeah, movie. Yeah, male chickens, big loser. <laughs> the biggest loser, Minari. Um, I have a question about. I, I don't know if either of you read this or heard this in an interview, uh, but I I think it has to be straight out of Lee Isaac Chung's real life, uh, the Will Patton character. So okay, I uh I didn't know if we wanted to talk about his character, uh before we got into spoilers, but I mean, it's not really, it doesn't really have anything to do with the story itself, but this dude is just like, this has to be a real person. Like it's a, it's that example in a movie where a person is so much of a caricature that they have to actually be a real person that this is. Yeah. Well, I've also, I've like met so many people that are just like that living in the South. Like just like, you know, most of the time they're homeless. Um, Mm. Cause this is, you know, he's like, I mean, we don't know what the future holds for his character. Honestly, it wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. This is a man that's right on the edge of being completely deranged. He's like maniacally Christian. Um, yeah, to the point of like speaking in tongues and shit. Like yeah. That. Um, like I, 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 you know, you see people like this. It's just it's so well rendered and well written and then well acted out the asshole by Will Patton. Like, my God, he does well. Yeah. Um, like you, you really are like, is this, is this guy all right? Like. <laughs> Holy shit. What else what else has he been in? Uh, been he in, was in a bunch of stuff in the like eighties and Yeah, 90s. he's been in a ton of yeah. shit. You're right, he is a that guy. Um Armageddon. Yeah, he was in Armageddon. Uh No Way Out uh was probably one of his bigger roles. Um that was the Kevin Costner movie from eighties. He's he's kind of like unrecognizable a little bit in this movie. He just looks like I mean kind of leathery deranged. Yeah. Like it looks he looks unhinged. Um I really love that character. Especially, I mean, his relationship, not just with Steven Yun, but with uh, Monica, with the mom and like how the faith connection. Yes, that's the thing that this movie gets really, really right is uh, kind of both the ways that cultures are um, similar and how they're different. Um, Like with seeing both of them, how they both are 
much more into faith than a lot of people around them. I mean, Will Patton takes it up to another fucking level. Paul is his name. Paul takes it to another fucking level with like carrying a cross on Sunday to like bear the weight of Jesus Christ. But I mean, Monica is the only person in her family who's religious. Jacob does not give a shit about like going to church or anything like that. He does it to like cater to her. Um, But another thing on that same line that this movie does really well and it's something that you almost never see in movies, mostly because uh, movies about race usually are directed by white people, specifically white men. But racism is not always uh, somebody coming to your house with a white hood on burning a cross on your yard. It's little microaggressions and micro racisms. And that's something that this movie gets so, so well whenever you just see them go to church and a little boy asks uh alan kim uh alan kim's david like why is your face flat like stuff like that or like stop me when i say something in korean that was so it was so well done because neither of those kids are portrayed as like villains they're just like truly ignorant yeah it's exactly such a quick moment like the movie doesn't labor on that scene no it's it whizzes and it doesn't it it doesn't try to make it look it's it doesn't patronize the immigrant viewer by making it into like a horror scene exactly although like there's obviously a way to do that because get out did exactly that um but like it it's just it doesn't like milk it i guess is what i'm saying it it doesn't milk it at all it really doesn't and i think that um i was i was listening to um Dave Chen on slash Filmcast talk about this with his guests and they were talking about how because this movie is set in the 1980s it lends itself to portraying those microaggressions in a completely different context than how they are now in the 21st century yeah when everyone knows better exactly yeah because back then from the immigrant side of the of the interaction they don't know that they're being mistreated and like nobody knows that there's mistreatment happening nobody in the interaction knows that what's happening is bad Mm -hmm. it's not malicious and it's not being interpreted as malicious no we just see it as that because now we have all of this added context of interpreting these things as malicious but the way it's captured in this movie is so perfect because that interaction wasn't um, inherently toxic in, in a vacuum. When you add all these layers of like racism and society, like doing horrible things to immigrants and Asian people and, and, and minorities and all this stuff, then it becomes toxic. But in that scene, in that moment, it's just, pure ignorance it's like literally yeah it's like literally like two dogs sniffing each other's butts yeah and like figuring out like what what's going on here like mm-hmm. how do i feel about you i mean to that point about how we were talking how will Patton had to be a real person in lee isaac chung's life i feel like these are real things that happened to him growing up and he probably never even processed it as a racist thing in the time period and this is almost like him trying to like kind of come to grips with this moment, but present it in the same way that a moment like this happened to him growing up where it is shown in a very 
innocence feels like the wrong word for it because it is still like a microaggression, but in more of an ignorant sort of way. I mean, this is, yeah, this is a fully autobiographical film. And Chung said that he even set out to create the first draft just by writing down every memory that he could think of Mm -hmm. on a spreadsheet. Like every little tiny thing that he could remember from his childhood. Hey, Lee. If you were that mean to your grandma, you can go fuck yourself. Okay, buddy? <laughs> I don't give a fuck how old you were. Absolutely not. Wait, I don't, that- don't want to give it away well, in pre-spoilers. She's an angel. Because <laughs> it's Man, so funny. That that moment is incredible. But like even... Um, it's so wild. Yeah, I... There's... Uh, yeah, no. Well, well, I want to save that for spoilers, actually. One thing I will say um, for listeners, if you have not um, watched the trailer... Perchance, um, don't watch the trailer. Take our word for it that we all absolutely love and adore this movie. Don't watch the trailer because uh, Ernest and I uh, saw the trailer together, and there is a spoiler moment in yeah. the trailer. Yeah, we went it's to taken see- out of context, but still, you see a moment, and then if you like see in the movie, you're like, oh well, shit, what the hell, man? Yeah, that was it- just in the fucking trailer. This is the last ten minutes of the movie. It basically shows like the major climax at the end. That you- definitely don't want to see uh so I'm, I'm glad i saw the movie before we saw that trailer before nomadland um so yeah let's uh let's dive into spoilers before we dive in let me just say that um this is a flat out recommend from all of us yeah check it out go see it in the theater if you can if it's safe um take the precautions that you need to but it is playing in select theaters um mostly everywhere you know again depending where you are um the movie probably lends itself absolutely beautifully to the big screen i'm so so sad that i didn't get to see it in the theater it's just it's just a great movie everything is working in harmony to to make this movie like it's just it's a singular thing uh you mentioned the score earlier that yeah i i was just reminded because i was looking at the notes i took like weeks ago and i i like underlined the score fucking good dude and also uh for people uh if you want more uh maseri work uh watch the last black man san francisco it's one of my favorite movies from a couple years ago all right so let's get into spoilers for minari um starting right now talk about the mountain dew <laughs> or the not mountain dew so yeah so like it's, you were it's saying water from the mountains it's healthy for you like you were saying there's there's a scene uh well it, it's set up before just the mountain dew itself being in in this trailer home that they're living in um which by the way it's like the, the the living circumstances here are depicted really well because when you're introduced to the trailer home, you're kind of like taken aback, like, oh boy, here we go. Po- poverty. This is going to be some fucking poverty, uh, just down in the dumps sort of story, rags to riches or whatever. And that's not what it is. Mm-mm. They live in, 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 you know, this, this mobile home of sorts. Um, it's not a trailer. It's like, um, 
I mean, it is. It's a house on wheels. Like exactly, it is, it is a kind of trailer. Yeah, mobile it's a mobile home. home. Thing. Like that's, it's, what, it's that's like a, what they're called. Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh, and once you're in there, and once you're seeing them, like you know, get settled and everything, it just looks yeah, like a home. It yeah. just looks like a home. And and they have this uh this Mountain Dew, and it's interesting because it's like there's these touches of Korea in the home. These like little bits. It's not like they're transforming this space into korea it's not like they're bringing because obviously like they were living in california for a while too so they were already americanized enough um but the the mountain dew to me it it show it represents this uh americanization of sorts it's like this this totem of like we are american we drink Mountain Dew in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, it's not overt again, like this movie. It's the, nothing in this movie is over. It's all extremely under the surface. But to me, that was like what I appreciated about the Mountain Dew. It's like, it's just this, this part of the texture of the home. And you don't even know that you're being set up for... <laughs> payoff later on yeah one (laughs) quick insane one quick thing before we get to that um another reason why uh speaking to the subtlety of the movie because you are right like you are really in the monica perspective whenever you first arrive at this mobile home and you were like what the hell is this like what are we getting into but as you as the movie goes on like it's very clear like this is a very poor town that they're in. Like the It's hardly a town. Yeah, it's like barely it's more it's kind of just like very very rural um just like farms. a town. It's just a farm town. Like it's just all there is is farms. Whenever um David does go and stays at the friend's house or whatever, the dad just shows up and is just like if your mom asked, tell her I was here all night and stuff like that. Like this is not a very good town. Like not even in like a problematic way but just in like this isn't a town of riches like it becomes pretty apparent very very early on that like this isn't a town where you go to make it big this is a town where you go to just like get by and that's kind of what this movie does really well so so let's talk about the mountain dew so uh we're set up with this mountain dew and it's paid off with a moment um, well, actually, there's I guess there's another setup with this like black liquid that uh, grandma brings from <laughs> Korea. Incredible touch um, that, you know, is some shit that Lee Isaac Chung was given some as a kid. Herbal, just like, yeah, just like deer antler and herbs and you just have to drink it. Yeah, I fucking. But we should also say that the little boy has like some sort of heart condition. Like yeah. he's he's like mm-hmm. very ill. Right. So obviously, like there's the the whole Western medicine side of things, but also um, they want to incorporate like whatever Eastern Asian medicine things they can into hoping for some sort of treatment for his heart condition. And um, it comes in the way of this, like, you know whatever liquid this is it doesn't really specify all we know is that like he hates it and he doesn't want to drink it and he sees it as um he immediately like pushes away from it and 
even this part like spoke to me you know i was never forced to drink a black mysterious black liquid but the idea of like a something from your homeland that is being presented to you and it seems foreign in your new life in america yeah that that concept is extremely familiar to me um and looking back on my childhood as a kid you want to as an immigrant kid you want to um align yourself with as many things that make you assimilate into america as possible and you want to push away from as many things that that aren't american and to me that's what that moment with the uh with the black liquid symbolize and there's other things too there's yeah i mean the kid says that like she smells korean yeah she's like oh no she smells like korea and uh um oh i don't have the daughter's name pulled up right in front of me here um and uh noel noel cho um who is also really really good in the film i know alan kim has been getting all the Big credit because he has a bigger role, but she's also really good. She's like, you've never even been to Korea. You don't yeah. know what Korea smells like. But it's that whole thing of just like, it's a bad thing. So you associate this with like another life that isn't yours. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of what one of the, the big themes of this movie is, is like learning to not even learning to, but like embracing that part of the immigrant experience, the part that you're trying to leave behind, um, the part that you're trying that, that you did leave behind because you left your home country and you're coming to this new one and, and, and finding a way to preserve that and finding a way to, to fold that into this new life that you're building. That's one of the biggest things that, that resonated with me and, and how difficult it can be to balance that, to balance like taking the 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 things that are tying you back to your old life and combining them with the things that you want to incorporate in your new life and what fits and what doesn't and 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 how you can hold both together at the same time. Um Really complex stuff, but done like very beautifully, very yeah. subtly. Yeah, like you said, it's all it's all muted. It's not trying to telegraph the shit to you. It's not poverty porn like that Ron Howard movie from last year. What's it called? Hillbilly. Hillbilly. Yeah, it's not. It's this isn't that. Like this isn't trying to, uh, like manipulate you into feeling sympathy for these people. You just do because they're well written characters. Um. The thing that resonated with me the most was probably when Alan Kim says it's not called a penis, it's called a ding dong. <laughs> oh <laughs> my was, god, that was I, so yeah. funny. Just like ding dong broken. And that yeah. paid, the way that that pays off. I there's had, really I, great comedic payoffs in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I had a single tear in my eye when he said that line. It was so well. He's it like, it was so natural. This kid's a natural. And then yeah. we haven't even gotten to it. He takes his ding dong to the bathroom. Mm hmm. And he he pinches his face, makes sure it's not a dream. It's not a dream. And he he, he pee pees in a cup and he tells the grandma that it's Mountain Dew. <laughs> and he makes her drink it. That is what, some of the most cruel. That, that is, is one of the most cruel things I've seen in a movie in a long time. Why did he do this to Grammy? 
She's a nice lady and I like But her. she's she's not a real grandma. She curses and uh, she watches, watches wrestling <laughs> and she doesn't know how to cook. Uh I I don't know. I I think that this little boy is just trying to act out, just trying to figure out like you know, he, he I'm torn because that that's a shitty thing to do. And it's like, you can't excuse it. Right. You can't say that like, oh, it's a little boy. He doesn't know what he's doing is wrong. Like he has to know. No, he knows. He just doesn't care. He's a little, yeah. he's a kid though. He's like, a little I don't, boy. I'm not actually upset. Can I tell him. you even more than that? Something. So this is something that I actually relate to as a kid. So um, pee peed in a cup. No, I didn't grandma. do the pee pee in the cup, but I did the, the next thing that happens with him where um, Jacob Tells his son, tells little Alan Kim, like, go, go grab me a stick from the yard. And mm. uh, he just brings back like a reed. Um, <laughs> I definitely uh, like whenever I was like really young, my dad would do the whole thing where he said, go grab my belt. And I remember like faintly as a kid going and grabbing like a cloth belt or something like that. That was not leather. You get his like epic rope belt. <laughs> yeah. I think I grabbed like a cloth belt that I had as like a five year old or something like that. <laughs> just handed it to him. And they were just like, well, you know, you kind of outdid me there. <laughs> he was like, well, he like shakes your hand. He's like, you're a man now. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. You can work on the farm now. Um, yeah. I, I love that scene. I love the payoff of that. I really love the understated nature of so much of this movie. And that is why the ending just is even still, it does not work for me. Well, before we get to the ending, literally the whole, like so much of this movie is just kind of all under the surface. And then having that big of like a movie climax, just it still doesn't quite sit right with me. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a fair criticism. But before we dig into the ending, let's let's just set up the whole like farm plot, so to speak. OK. Um. So Jacob wants to farm this land. And he wants to. uh have it be a massive success right he keeps using the word garden right but he wants it to be this he wants 50 acres at yeah the farm. The, he wants to have a massive operation um and he starts tending to this land and he starts working hard and he tries to bring in some of the locals to help him out there's that moment with the the man who uses like the wishbone twig to like find the water to dig the well um, Which once again another payoff for the very end of the movie when you see another guy use the yeah. same twig to find the well it's like is this just what the eighties were like we had no equipment or whatsoever we just have to Insane. trust a guy just walking Jesus, around with a stick the Lord um so you know he's going back and front and forth from the chicken factory to here uh, to work at his farm and eventually he's able with Will Patton's help to to really get it up and running. Um, and all the while there's this tension at home and I think it, it culminates in this moment where they start to run out of water to irrigate the farm and he starts to pull the water from the house, the potable water for their sinks and their bathrooms 
to use to water the crops. And I think that that's when the movie really starts to turn, when you start to see how this man is willing to sacrifice the water that his family is going to use to bathe and drink and, and, and wash for his own project. But on the flip side, it's not just a little project. It's the entire reason why they're there. It's the well-being of their family. It's their future. He is doing it for them. He is sacrificing it for them. And like that's, again, another one of the small wrinkles and complexities in this movie is that Jacob is going on this journey that he says is for himself, or maybe he doesn't say it until the end, or he doesn't even say it, but it's not overt until the end, but there's this wrinkle of it being his journey, his project, his dream, but he sees it as something that he's doing for his family. And in a way he is. So it's not clear cut, you know? And I think, and I appreciate that about this movie because it's not like he is wholly selfish, mm-hmm. but that, but that's a selfish act, right? To take the water from his family to water the crops. Yeah. He's a very selfish person. Yeah. Like he is not Jacob is not a great guy by any stretch of the imagination. Like we even said pre spoilers, like he is constantly time and time again, choosing his own passion project over his family, over his wife and over his kids, including one of his kids who has a serious heart condition. Mm. And he just like is he only is there for them whenever things are going good. But this is this is when the whole American dream thing starts to play into in the story, because it's not just a little pet project. It's not just like he is, uh, you know, d- doing a podcast with his boys. You know, it's not I like always put the podcast before <laughs> my family. It's not like always. he's like it's not like he's, uh, you know painting or whatever like this is what is going to power the locomotive of his family this hard work this arduous labor of starting this farm is going to propel his entire family into major uh success and and comfort in the way that is quote unquote advertised as the American dream that if you work hard and, and and you get your hands dirty, you will earn the right to like live that comfortable, successful life. So it's not just like this small little side pet project thing. Um, but it starts to take this toll because it's, it's not, it's not a guarantee. It ain't working. Yeah. It's failing. Mm-hmm. Hard. Exactly. <laughs> It's failing really hard. And his wife is like, buddy, you're going to have to fucking choose because <laughs> you moved all of us out here mm-hmm. and you really thought that this was going to work and it's not working and you're going to lose everything if you keep trying. Um, And to him, he has to keep trying because he's betting it all. He's he's putting all his chips on the table um, and at the expense of of what's really important, which are his kids and, and his wife and his mm-hmm. family. So 
I think that's one of the, like the beautiful things about this family is like how complex it starts to get, how layered it starts to get, you know, and and how it also how it doesn't just focus on him, how we see the other characters and not just through the lens of the farm. Yeah, no, it's not even it's not even like on the verge of just focusing on him. This is like a, a actual ensemble movie like we there are long stretches that we go without seeing uh steven yoon who by the way i said this when we initially talked about it uh hunter uh on the end of the year pod but like if we're drafting actors for the next 20 years of whatever they do he's like top 10 i mm-hmm. yeah i i was also gonna say just um, impeccable decision making i meant to even say it in the pre-spoilers but i will say it now i steven young is quickly rising up my rankings is just my favorite actor working today yeah i love he turned all the cachet and everything that from he walking was known dead. from from walking dead yeah. and now he between minari and uh 2018's Isaac Chung's Burning, just two of like the best performances I've seen in the last five years. Uh, and Burning, I think is, you should leave. I think, well, I think you should leave. The, yeah, that, the toilet paper. That's sketch. An incredible. He's incredible. Incredible sketch there. But like Burning, it, that is like just like a very. It's kind of almost like the flip side of this, where he's like so charismatic, but like you can tell, like he is like kind of rotten underneath and burning. And so it's interesting seeing his character in Minari and his character in Burning. Yeah, he has his, his range is like unreal. Uh, so burning good. is Lee Chang Dong. Lee Chang Dong. Yeah. Who did I say? Lee Isaac Chung. Lee Isaac oh, Chung, sorry, sorry. I, yeah, Lee Chang Dong. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's try to let's try to get to the ending. So essentially, he starts to pull the water. They start to struggle. Um, you know, they they Will Patton really comes into the fold, helps them pray. They go to the which once again another like big thing, kind of big tie between Monica and Will Patton's character is like both of them very into non-traditional medicine. Like she was all for Will Patton coming in and blessing the house and kind of praying over everything. Do you want me to pray for your family and all this kind of stuff? And Stephen Young is just very not into that. Yeah. Very he's totally aloof. Yeah. Then they go to the city, to the hospital. Um, and I think that that, this is one of the best scenes in the movie. It's hard for me to pick like, my favorite scene because there's no like again there's nothing showy about this movie there's no scene that kind of like sticks out it's like a showy scene but the scene where they like talk in the hospital and the wife basically tells him like like buddy you have to choose essentially like we can't keep doing this we're like you're our water's gone <laughs> you know like what what's going on like here we are at this hospital with our sick kid and you're still trying to chase this impossible dream and he says that he's gonna he's gonna keep doing it mm-hmm. you know and he's gonna keep doing it without them yeah. is what he says he's completely willing to he's just like yeah you can take the kids i understand that is if you do that insane insane and yeah. there's the there's this like determinism and like they have the kids have to see me succeed whether i'm yes. there for them or not that is like the way that it captures it's not even like just 
uh, just tied to a foreign thing. It's like men of a certain age, and even to a certain point, men now with mm-hmm. just kind of very stubbornness, but especially a couple generations older than us, where it's just like, I was put on this earth to do one job, and I will do this job because my kids have to see me as a success and not yeah, a failure. Exactly. That that whole, like, I, I cannot give up. I will never give up because I have to set an example of never giving up. It starts to backfire. <laughs> and I think that in so many cases, like, um, sometimes you do have to give up. You know, you have to you have to measure your your situation and you have to analyze your circumstances and you have to really like take stock of what of what you got going on and what's important. And and he doesn't want to give up and he doesn't want to throw away all of the work that he's put into this farm that is uh, not doing too hot. Um, Also, we should say like the trip to this hospital, they say that the heart condition is improving Mm -hmm. um, and that whatever they're doing, they should keep doing. Yeah. And uh, before that, too, um, did we mention that the grandmother had the stroke? Oh, that's right. She had the stroke. But before that even happened, she was telling uh, David, like, you should work out like you're stronger than your parents lead, like think that you are. And it's likely that that is the thing that's improving is heart health is not just like sitting around and being aloof all the time. but It's actually getting out and exercising and working that heart muscle. So they're they're um, they're going to this. um well, I should say the 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 whole thing with them pulling the water from the house, um, it gets to the point where like the farm is actually starting to produce and they're starting to get a harvest. And now they have vegetables to sell, but they don't have a buyer. Um, so then they go to this guy in the city and he agrees to start buying the vegetables. Boom. They finally have a buyer. Um, so it, it looks like, oh, my gosh, finally. It's starting to turn. And then poor Grim Graham. She's trying to she's stumbles trying to on into the just a casual trash can fire, as one does. I just <laughs> see, so that's the thing, like that it just it really bothered me. Seeing this second, like I still I can't deny the mass majority of this movie. I still like fucking loved it the first time I saw it too, but for a movie that is so understated and so realist throughout the entire film to then just have it like the metaphor punch you in the face repeatedly. Like, do you get it? The dream is on fire. Literally up in flames. It's like that just really, really, really bothered me. And like, it's like Steven Yun. See, he was in the fire. He could have saved his crops, but he saved his wife. He chose family over his dream. And it just, I, wish that there just wasn't that moment in this movie because otherwise this would be like one of the best movies I've seen the last 10 yeah. years like that, it's just it's that's interesting that didn't bother me at all like because it felt earned like we got to exist in this world for so long that once like that finally happened it was like all right it's time for the ball game now yeah. like you I know just I, mean? I don't I didn't so much of this movie felt not like it felt like there was a real like a genuine realism. And then that was a thing where like, I realized, Oh yeah, I'm watching a movie right now. Well, and that's the only point in the entire film where I thought that my, my thought process, and I haven't heard chunk talk about this, but maybe that actually did happen. 
that was what I thought is like there must have been an instance. Maybe it wasn't as intense as that, but maybe there was an instance where they did lose a large amount of. Yeah, their, I of mean, their crops. it's it's a really subjective thing. I've you're not the only person that I've seen like that has this opinion. It's just I don't I don't like you'll agree. I'm sure that like none of us like inherently dislike when a movie takes a turn in tone oh like, no no of course not at all. Like, not that at happens all. and to me it felt earned and to you it, it didn't yeah it just it i think that it's also for me because it comes in literally at like 15 minutes left in the movie it's just like oh like because i thought that this was going to have a very messy ending and that's kind of why i thought because i so much of this movie has felt true to life that i thought like hey real life is messy Things are going to be kind of messy. We don't know where things are going to end off with this family. It doesn't have to say whether they stay together or get divorced or whether it's a success or a failure. It can just kind of, they can exist on with their lives and try to still continue towards the American dream. And I just didn't like that it ended so cleanly. But it, I don't think it ends that cleanly. I think that what what this movie chooses to do is it chooses to have a very external conflict arise. It doesn't really have that that much of an antagonist. Like you don't have like uh you know a rival farmer or you don't have the races coming to like destroy their farm or yeah, anything speak, like that. So, well speaking of that, did you not just because of our conditioning, would did you not imagine that that kid's dad was going to become such a sure. racist villain? Yeah. And then he just turned out to be just kind of like a shitbag yeah he's just kind of like a bad father wasn't a horrible guy he was just like dumb (laughs) yeah that that was awesome so the movie it wants to have this external conflict but it doesn't really have a source for it because there's no real um it's man versus uh nature yeah there's no real like natural place It, it it the only thing for for an external conflict to feel earned is the fire. And and why are we keeping why are we burning trash right next to the crop? This thing? this lady's like, out of her mind. No, but <laughs> even still, like it was already set up there and there's like, yeah, we should burn stuff within 10 feet of all of our produce. I don't know, man. Maybe in Korea, <laughs> maybe in Korea, they there's 50 acres of land. Yeah, and maybe we should in like Korea, we should have, burn stuff right by their produce. We should have a really, <laughs> we should have, we should have a nice, those? neat pathway of dry hay that leads right into where the produce are. That is. that whole thing really did <laughs> catch fire really no, easily. No, it's literally like just in. It's like a path of hay that just leads right there. It's like that's even if something like this happened, this is not how this event happened because no, this is. <laughs> nothing this neat ever actually happens in real life i don't yeah. know um i think i've i've been struggling with a very similar thing to that in almost any movie for my entire life uh it's hard to end well no no not that but just the notion of like like such an obvious mistake being made and then i remember like like my day-to-day life and how <laughs> yeah. how many times i'm like that was such an obviously bad choice i just made how did yeah. i do that yeah like people are just dumb sometimes i i get i know people and people are just stupid i know and again i know i'm like hammering on this point because once again it is the only nit that i have to pick with this entire movie but it's just it's still stuck in my head seeing it a second time it hasn't bothered me as much because like it does come in with like 
hardly any movie left at like the seven eighths mark of the movie so like that's i'm not gonna try and, and that's not the very end of the film because i think at the very end of the film is pretty beautiful if it, well, it's if just it, that one if moment. it ended feeling that dramatic i would i would be more on your side but i, I yeah it it, it kind of keeps going yeah that was yeah. a departure it was a very dramatic moment which does happen in the lives of real people um and then it goes back to how it was yeah i um i want to compare that to my two favorite movies from last year uh, portrait of a lady on fire and sound of metal that I'm just have, i'm gonna lose my mind i, know, I just fucking like kill you that have <laughs> these climaxes that are very internal um drew you still haven't seen mm-hmm. sound of metal right no okay i'm not gonna spoil it but in portrait of a lady on fire the climax of that movie is fully internal. Yes. She's listening I to this concert. I think that's concert. kind of, that's almost the ending that I wanted for this movie was something a little bit more internal. She She's listening to this music and she, the camera just holds on her face nonstop as she is having this severe emotional reaction to this song. And it, just fireworks are going off in your head. And it's, you're just seeing a shot of a woman listening to a con just sitting there watching a concert and in sound of metal, it's, you know, along the same lines as just a shot holding on somebody and fireworks going off for a completely different scenario. But you know what I'm getting at? Mm -hmm. Like there's no like external conflict falling onto our, uh, protagonists. This movie, it does the exact opposite. It says, we're going to go for the external climax. We're going to have fire and flames burn up the crops that he's been working the entire movie to grow. And they're all going to turn to ashes. And those are two completely divergent roads to go to go down. I think that what Portrait and Sound of Metal do are so perfect and so beautiful. Um, But I don't know how this story could have done something like that. I think what this, in terms of what this story was trying to do, I don't see how it could have achieved something along those lines Um, and have it be, you know, the, the internal sort of thing, because this movie is already internal. The whole thing is internal. So, for it to go for the external um, climax is this risk that it's taking. And to me, I think it pays off. I think it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing for it to be this elongated, subdued internal movie and then go for this big bombastic fire laden climax that I think works. I mean, obviously your complaint is totally valid. A hundred percent. But I, I saw it as this risk that paid off. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's entirely fair. Like I, once again, I, I saved this for the end of the podcast. Cause I wanted, I feel like there's sometimes where it's like, there's a movie that I fucking love, but there's one thing that bothers me. And I come out of the gates saying that point, And then it, I, it comes out sounding like I'm more negative on this movie than, I actually am. And I didn't want it to be that way for this movie because that's just my only 
nit that I have is because this movie is so internal, I wanted an ending that was also internal. Like, think about something like First Cow from last year. First Cow, there is a little bit of a climactic moment, but there's never really, like, a big well it cuts away burning down moment it cuts away and that felt genuine to the tone of the movie itself i still enjoy minari actually a bit more than first cow overall but that movie had more of a consistent through line and i wish that this just kept it for just a little bit because i do think that the very very end of this movie after the barn burns down the shot of them all sleeping on the floor the grandma just in complete like disarray because she knows that she just like yeah just destroyed all of this even when they're chasing after her in the night uh, yeah that was really sad honestly really you feel for her the the real tragedy of the movie to me is when grandma has the stroke Mm -hmm. like i don't know if that's so shitty to say but we're not as in tune with Steven Yoon's internal life, even up up to the end. We are, but we don't like what we're seeing necessarily. He's working hard. Um, He's out there sweating. Yeah. And also the fire isn't that it didn't even strike me as surprising. It struck me as a natural continuation of drought. Like it, the movie already is man versus nature because there's no rain. And when there's no rain, there also are fires. Yeah. Um, so easy fires that spread. Yeah. So it kind of struck me as like a logical, uh, heightening, Mm -hmm. you know, more than like a a full on departure. It did. You're right that it made the metaphor extremely overt. Yeah. But I think that that's even what bothered me more than the fire burning down is because the scene immediately preceding that is Steven Young saying, you can take the kids. I'm choosing the farm. I'm choosing my dream over the family. And then the very next scene is him choosing his family over his dream. Yeah, I think it, that that's where it was just like a it almost felt like a like, oh, wait, OK, we got to speed up the end. He's also kind, we well, he's kind of not choosing his family over his dream he saves it like he could he was starting to pick up crops in the thing and he dropped them and went and saved Monica. yeah um but they stay very overt symbolism you know what i mean yeah but then they stay so he it's not as if like he chooses to like move to a city apartment and like you know be a chicken sex or whatever he keeps <laughs> the farm yeah um he just loses like that crop you know yeah. it's it's so it's not it doesn't end on such an overt note. He, yeah. he kind of gets everything he wanted and there's just sort of a, an implied like lasting impact on the family. Like I'm sure that this isn't the last time he hears about the time he almost left the fucking family. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I think that, that there's just this balancing act in this movie where so much of it is subdued, but there is this overtness that, that rings true. Cause this is kind of like a very movie movie type of series of, of, of plot beats that happen of this guy that keeps uh, hitting these obstacles in this very straight trajectory to try to get this farm uh, to thrive, you know? And of course you get to this ultimate uh, obstacle of it all going up in flames. It's just this kind of very, uh, you know, standard plot mechanics that that just lend itself well to how a story should play out and what you want from a, a satisfying little two hour movie um, where you're in and you're out and you're 
you get a whole journey out of it. Like it sometimes you got to have like these familiar cogs to the machine for it to work. And it, it, that's not even all of it. Like the, 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 the plant itself, the minari itself, it is a metaphor. Like that's an overt ass metaphor uh, of this plant that can thrive in the most extreme conditions. Exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> it's a metaphor for the immigrant experience and mm-hmm. how they come from nothing, how we move to a new country with nothing and we figure out a way to make it through and to survive and to sustain ourselves. Yeah. That's what this plant does. They plant it in this little mini river uh brook it's like creek yeah yeah it's just yeah. behind the farm and and they um they that's literally the last shot of the movie is them like being like okay well let's harvest this and let's do what we can <laughs> this for is it. all that we have now that's all we what we have we got yeah. this minari so so the movie's like balancing these like really subtle things and these like big extremely you know uh, obvious metaphorical things too, mm. um, and I I I felt like it did just a masterful job. At yeah, it. this is still just like despite my once again nits that I'm picking with one tiny aspect of this movie. This movie is still a masterpiece, and I am all in on whatever Leezik Chung does next next i hope whatever fucking steven yun does next i mean i already had season passes to him but like those uh are up for renewal and i just went ahead and renewed those bad boys I chung, think I got, chung was I got gonna side now so he was gonna quit yeah he, he no, was it's, literally it is funny quit. like listening to interviews with him if you listen to interviews with uh him and with shaka king like both of them had a similar story where they were just like i think i they both kind of essentially said like, yeah, I just thought that like making movies was done for me. Like I mm-hmm. thought that I just wasn't ever going to happen for me. And then boom, you do, and then you just get got, that one. They made all you need is the one. Yeah. Two of the best movies of the last 12 months. Um, There was one other thing I wanted to shout out about like the overlaps between this portrayal of the uh, immigrant experience in my own life is this tiny little thing. And apparently a lot of people even like just, native uh or not nate or i don't even know how to say that just american people uh have been um have been uh shouting this out is the moment where they open the suitcase from grandma and there's like a bunch of like food and stuff in there Mm -hmm. she's bringing like condiments and shit (laughs) and literally like that was that that is like straight out of any time that anybody from my family in Columbia came to visit, like there was always a suitcase that was just a suitcase full of stuff. just like chocolate. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. And that's... <laughs> like just random shit. And then like a separate one for, for clothes and stuff. And that just like the, the, the way that again, very subdued, but also, um, you know, kind of tying it to the the microaggression bit. Just like it's just like this tiny little scene and then you move on. But the mom like breaks down and cries when she sees the mm-hmm. anchovies. And to me, like that just resonated so much because it's not just about the anchovies. 
It's about yeah, she doesn't it's want a to reminder fucking be there, bro. It's well, well, that's part of it. Yeah, it's about missing home, it's, right, and still being tied to it. But it's also the notion of like grandma was thinking about bringing that piece of home with her. Yeah. The notion of like here is this 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 piece that I can give you to now have in your possession of home. Yeah, I mean, it's and that even is that's just like transcendental of all cultures. Like I remember um, whenever um, uh, girlfriend of the pod Gaia, like uh, we got from her family, brought her hatch green chilies that you can only get from like Nevada out west area. And like she grew up out there in like the Vegas area and stuff like that. And like she like got emotional just with it because it's like. You can't just get these from the store, even like in America. It's like something that's across the country. You cannot get the real thing unless you get it from your home. And anybody can relate to that. I miss Whataburger, man. Yeah. Oh, I, I think damn. About Honey butter, butter chicken day. biscuit. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. gonna cry. Think about my mom will, uh, every now and then she sends me one in the mail. Think about Guthrie's. Um, and but just... it's in an envelope and it's just <laughs> fucking crushed. Oh, greasy, <laughs> greasy envelope. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if we shouted this out at the top, um, but now that we're wrapping up, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout him out. the um, The cinematographer is Lachlan Milne. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also shot, shot film um, Hunt for the Wilder People, mm-hmm. the Taika movie, uh, a couple episodes of Stranger Things. Um, not a lot else, but. I just love the way this movie looks. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. a lot of great drone shots. Oof, mm-hmm. um, lovely drone shots. I love the way the farm looks when all the vegetables are coming up mm-hmm. and it's just ready for harvest. It, it does a really good job of uh, sort of depicting that this place is like hardly a place. Like yeah. you know, you can't have a sense of place. You can't figure out like where the community is because there is no real central location maybe mm-hmm. the church but like we mostly just see a road and the woods and a farm rural america brother yeah we, we i mean you drive by plenty of places in florida that look just like that yeah um i just wanted to look up on gold derby real quick right now just to see if there was any outside chance that uh people are giving it um currently Screenplay? has third best odds for best pick and for director director don't see either of those happening yeah for uh best picture right behind um nomad land of course which is a heavy favorite and trial of chicago seven um and then for director behind chloe Zhao and david fincher um i had a Aaron sorkin on gold derby right now which is good i'll, I'll um, just be happy with a nomination yeah i think that it's gonna get nominated it steven could- young is at fifth right now it looks like Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be either him or Delroy Lindo fighting for that last spot, mm. which is a bummer because both of those are very, very deserving to go in there. I'm trying to look up a screenplay real quick to see what it that's could looking win. like. It could win that. I really think for original screenplay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're going to hate this. Uh, so it's third in original screenplay behind number one, Trial of the Chicago 7. What? That's the number uh, oh, one Sorkin. for Sorkin. It's Sorkin. Sorkin already has the an Academy. Oscar. Just loves to suck on Sorkin's dick. They love Second best is off. promising young woman. So that's fun. Um, poo poo pee pee man. What yeah. does Sorkin does Sorkin have two Oscars? Um. Well, Social Network and uh, no, he, does he no, have Steve Jobs. One. No, it's just it's okay. just the one. I knew Steve Jobs. He was nominated for. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He. Yeah. yeah. Also for Moneyball. Moneyball too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. Uh. Real quick, 
Thoughts on the red hat that Steven Yoon wears? Um, we well, dig- do you want to get into is is this character a in the year 2020? Is Jacob a Trump food? Maybe not Trump, but he's Republican. Yeah, he's a country boy. He's a I mean, he he's an individual liberty boy. America first. Hmm. I remember wherever the advertising first went around and because you just see like the side profile of the red hat and it was like trigger. What? What is this movie? <laughs> it was like, oh, no, it just happens to be a red hat. No, I, c- I could see Jacob going. God, for, isn't it uh, sad that fucking Trump just ruined red hats forever? I, I think how he, many years is going to be until like we can just like wear a red hat out in public again? Well, maybe not that, but. I could at least see it in a movie and not want to turn the movie off. Like it works. He, he makes it work. He looks great in it. I don't, I don't, I don't get taken out of the movie seeing the hat. <laughs> I think he makes it. He's swaggy. You know, he's go. Oh, he's he got yeah. infinite swag. Steven yeah. Young got big, big dick Steven, energy. <laughs> Steven Young got a little bit ripped for this movie too. He got like farmer jacked, which is yeah. like very underrated style. It's something that you only know if you're like really around the country. That's like, yeah, farmers could like kick a lot of like fighters ass, but it's like very it's not showy muscles at all. It's just from like working and like digging up weeds and working with the hoe. All day. I like that that scene where he asks his wife to take a shirt off for him because he can't lift his arms. Yeah. Just like I, I need to wash my hair. That's, <laughs> that's me when I get like home from like, like like two hours of doing semi hard work at work. I'm like, <laughs> baby, please. And then he's really? in the bath. And she's this movie's really him. well edited too like perfect cuts at the right time that's a good point uh, they're comedic cuts which yes, always work yeah. and then also yeah there are a lot of cuts like just really like not long but like short continuity cuts where it'll mm-hmm. cut to like 30 seconds later or like three minutes later in that same scene um I- i'm always a fan of when movies do that it's never a bad idea i don't think it keeps things breezy you don't need to you only sometimes you only need one line like you only need like hey are you hungry and then just cut to them like two minutes later eating Eating. whatever is in the pantry and and you can tell that they they probably like took out certain scenes or shortened certain scenes without losing the thread of of what the of what the story was in these shortened or removed scenes because there's there's moments where like a scene will overlap heavily with the next scene like you'll still hear the dialogue of the previous scene as you're seeing the next scene which is a standard like l cut and j cut but it's in the way it's done in this movie it's like a little bit more sort of you know kind of down tempo kind of more drawn out and it just like it it, there's this flow to it that's really nice so hey maybe it'll get an editing nomination that would be nice. i hope so um i'm holding out i'm holding out hope for uh rain song for best original song Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So good. Just everything about this. Give it to Mio Mosseri. Like, Reznor and Atticus Ross, like, they've got their fucking Oscar. No buzz for Grandma. Where's the Grandma buzz? What, supporting? Yeah, she'd be supporting actress. Let me just see if she's even listed on here. Let me scroll up. I'm sure she is. She's got to be. She's nominated for a SAG, isn't she? Yeon Yu Jung. Um. Oh, actually, 
She is she now a eclipsed yeah. Glenn Close and Amanda Seyfried on the Gold Derby. She's now only behind Olivia Coleman for second favorite. Yeah, how can you deny actress. that performance, man? So it's good. like as good and as it gets. It's really like two different performances like between much. the yeah. first and the second her, half of the movie. Her and, and Steven Yeun both got SAG nominations. So I I think they're pretty pretty good bets for the the Academy Awards. Yeah, so I would love go, to see dude. it. Abs- I would love. Let's fucking go. I, this seems like a movie that will get like six nominations and not win anything. But even that will just be great recognition that more people will check out this movie. And I think like everybody should watch this film. Everybody should see this movie. Yeah. It's Universal great. recommend. Beautiful film. It's nice. Let us know what you thought of it. Any other feedback that you have at We Bought a Mic on Twitter and We Bought a Mic at gmail.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, donate. Thank you for all you beautiful donors. Um, you keep us going. You keep us chugging. Mm-hmm. Chugging that Mountain Dew. Mm. Mm. Chugging that. Pee-pee. <laughs> uh, stick around. It's not a penis. It's a ding-dong. We, uh, Incredible line delivery. We're going to try to do a, a little bonus ep for you talking WandaVision now that it's wrapped up. Um, and then our Nicolas Cage series begins with what? Moonstruck. What are we calling it? What are we Moonstruck. calling the Nicolas Cage? The big. We if you have ideas, cage. send us uh, them. Otherwise, we're gonna come up with a really bad pun that's gonna be worse than whatever your idea is. We nick a cage. Um, we'll workshop it. Cage match. No, I think that's been taken. I think that's been done. Uh, Nick match. <laughs> that's really good. I like Is that. Is that something? <laughs> Nobody's ever thought about that. Coppola match. Nobody ever goes for like the first name. Bye. Bye. <laughs>